0: Welcome to Beyond Blathers, the podcast where we dive deeper into the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm Olivia DeBercier. And I'm Sophia Osborne. And this week, Sophia is going to tell us all about cacti. Yeah, I'm so excited.
1: I've been wanting to talk about cacti on the podcast for quite a while, since I was in California, actually. But yeah, I know they're not really something you collect and bring to blathers in the game, but there are decorative cacti that you can get in Animal Crossing. So I think that that's a good enough excuse to talk about them. Oh, totally. But yeah, if you're like me and you live somewhere that doesn't really have cacti naturally occurring around, um, I live in a temperate rainforest, so we don't really see them (laughs) here. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I find I think of them in kind of a limited way. Like I think of them as something that I buy at the plant store and have on my windowsill and try not to kill. (laughs) But when I was down in Anza Borrego State Park outside of Palm Springs in California, it was my first time in like the Californian desert like that. And I really was just hit by the amazing diversity of cacti that you could see there and how important they are and how cool they are. So I wanted to celebrate them here today.
0: Yeah, I think I saw a couple weeks ago, John, who was on our podcast a few weeks ago, he was showing me a photo of a cacti he saw back in Mexico. And it was like, I couldn't believe how big this thing was. It was like one of those sort of classic tall forking cacti. I don't know what they're called. But it was like the size of like an old growth tree. And this thing had to have been like millions of years old. Like it was so huge. I I was like astonished at this photo. So I'm excited to talk about cacti. I have a newfound interest in them. So what are they taxonomically? Like I was just saying it's like the size of a tree, but they're not trees. Like what are they?
1: Yeah, so they're actually a plant family called cactaceae, cactaceae, cactaceae. I looked up pronunciations, and they were kind of weird, and I'm not sure exactly what it is, but Cactaceae? I'll go with that. Yeah. Um, Anyway, it's a family comprising about 127 genera with about 1,750 known species of cactus. So we're going to talk about that. But yeah, there's a lot of diversity of
0: species. Honestly, like, I'm kind of surprised it's not more species. I just... I always expect with plants that there's going to be a, like, ridiculous number, but I guess that's not succulents, it's just that specific family.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about succulents um, in a little bit, but, so cacti are in the order Caryophyllilies. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going to just be, I am not a scientist or a Latin <laughs> speaker, so I'm just going to be really butchering these. I mean, no one's a Latin
0: speaker, so really you can say it however <laughs> you want.
1: I did actually take Latin in university and my professor would be so disappointed in me. <laughs> but yeah, so this is actually an order of flowering plants. So very cool. And it also includes carnations and beets. Oh. So just like kind of random diverse things. I was trying to look like, okay, what makes things be part of this order? And there was no answer to that that I could find Any anyway. <laughs> They're just like genetics. Just genetics. Yeah, exactly. I think that is what it is. So yeah, it was it's pretty funny but very diverse order. But cacti are native to the Americas, ranging from Patagonia in the south to parts of western Canada in the north, which we'll talk about in a bit. But this is with the exception of Ripsalies bacifera, which is also found in Africa and Sri Lanka, but it is native to the Americas, but it seems it was Potentially carried over to Africa and Asia by birds. Oh. So, yeah, but that seems to be the only species that, you know, is, I guess, naturally found outside of the Americas, which is interesting. Yeah,
0: that is interesting. It never occurred to me that it was, like, an exclusively America's group of plants. It's very interesting.
1: I I didn't, I, I guess I honestly, this whole episode has made me reflect on, like, looking for cacti, I guess, because we'll talk about it, but, like, they're actually more prevalent in Canada than I realized, and I guess I just never really look around for them. Mm -hmm. But then when I was in California, in the desert, they're everywhere, and I was just so fascinated by them and, like, had so much fun looking at all the different types, so. But, yeah, before we really get into it, I did want to talk about succulents, as you brought up, Olivia, because in doing research for this episode, I realized I don't really know what a succulent is (laughs) I guess I thought it was just a type of cactus, like maybe some sort of classification under cacti because, yeah, I don't know. They're just sort of like with the cacti in the plant stores and everything. And I was like, what what are their relationship? But actually, they're different kind of categories, like almost all cacti are succulents, but not all succulents are cacti. So let's talk about it. What are succulents? They are plants with thick, fleshy parts that retain water in dry climates and soil. And their name comes from the Latin word succus, which means juice or sap. Odds are you've probably had a succulent before as a houseplant. I definitely have. Lots of people do because they're very cool looking and they don't require that much attention. But I don't know. I've definitely killed a few. I don't know. I, I had them in
0: Edmonton.
1: And it does get really cold there, and I feel like they just died because it was too cold in my apartment, probably.
0: I have also killed so many succulents. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Rest in peace to all my plants. R.I.P. But I should say, to clarify that succulents isn't a taxonomic category, so it's not an order or a family or anything. It's basically just a word to describe plants that have these attributes. So within different families and genuses, you might have some species that are succulents and some that aren't. So there are some cacti that aren't succulents. Got it.
0: Okay, I was going to say, because when you said, like, that almost all cacti are succulents, but not all succulents are cacti, I was like, mm, this sounds like what us in the taxonomy world like to call an informal group or, like, some sort of generic naming system.
1: Yeah, I think it's actually, like, it seems to me like it's kind of just, like, almost a description of them, like, like a characteristic that they might have is that they're succulent or not,
0: you know? Yeah, totally. Oh, that may- that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cool.
1: But I guess what, what makes something a succulent? Succulents use their structures like leaves and stems to store water. Sometimes they can have water contents up to 90 or 95%. And if you've seen succulents, you've probably noticed that they usually have a more swollen, fleshy appearance because of their water storage. All these articles <laughs> were saying fleshy,
0: and I was like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> that's very body horror of them.
1: Very body horror. But I think, um, yeah, swollen, maybe like juicy.
0: I don't know. <laughs> yeah, juicy, uh, like fruit-like maybe. I don't know. I guess fleshy is like the best description. Yeah. They're not like leafy. They're like no. chunky.
1: Chunky, yeah. But yeah, succulents can actually be found on every continent except Antarctica, which is pretty cool. So again, hmm. different than cacti. But yeah, this is an episode about cacti, which are mostly succulents. But anyway, let's return to the topic of cacti. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of their appearance, cacti can be really diverse, as I've alluded to. The smallest cactus is Blosfeldia lilliputiana, which is a really cute name.
0: Super cute.
1: It's only about one centimeter or half an inch in diameter at maturity. Oh, so tiny. Very baby. And the tallest is Pacacirius Pringlai, also a great name, Mm -hmm. with a maximum recorded height of 19.2 meters or 63 feet. Oh my god. So like you said, they can get really tall, like old
0: growth forest tall. (laughs) Wow. It's something
1: I can't even really wrap my head around.
0: Yeah, I'm like looking outside, looking for something that looks about 60 feet tall, and there's like... I don't know a telephone pole that looks about that that height and that's yeah. pretty big. That's definitely bigger than all the trees around here.
1: Definitely. And unlike most other succulents, cacti only retain water in their stems. So when you see a cactus, it mostly looks like a big swollen stem. Maybe it has some kind of like branching stems off of it. But most species of cactus have lost their true leaves. And instead, their leaves are modified into spines. So actually, you know, when you see the spines of a cactus, those are extremely modified leaves, which is pretty cool. And those spines are probably one of the most iconic things about cacti. And of course, the spines help defend them from herbivores who want to eat them. But they also help prevent water loss by reducing airflow and providing some shade for the cactus. Which I thought was interesting because I'm like, wouldn't leaves provide more shade? But I guess leaves, (laughs) you run the risk of losing water from
0: them. Yeah, because they have a lot of surface area to them. And so, and they're like very thin. So it's really easy to like have a lot of like, yeah, a bunch of like evaporation and water loss. So
1: totally. Yeah, it's not great. And the spines are produced by these special structures called aerials which are actually highly modified branches. And I'm not sure if you've ever noticed these on cacti before, but they are these bumps that grow out of the stem, and then the spines grow out of those bumps. So on branched cacti, like the iconic saguaro cactus, which is the one that just looks like the quintessential... Like
0: Like a cartoon cactus.
1: Yeah, like a cartoon cactus, The branches of the stem grow out of these aerials as well. The flowers also grow out of the aerials. So they're very important structures. And they're a unique adaptation to cacti, which distinguish them from other succulents.
0: Cool. Now I know what those are called.
1: Yeah. So as I said, cacti only retain water in their stems. But also because they don't have leaves, photosynthesis for cacti actually happens in the stem itself as well. And the stems are just really cool. Many cacti have ribbed stems. So you've probably noticed this. They kind of look like they have ridges on them. My dad has a beautiful Christmas cactus that he's had forever, like since the 80s or something. Oh, wow. It's so old and it's so beautiful just in his house. And I've always noticed the ridges on those. But yeah, these ridges allow them to grow and contract with water absorption. And the number of ridges they have always corresponds to a Fibonacci number. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's so cool. If you haven't heard of Fibonacci numbers before, it's a sequence in math where each number is the sum of the two numbers that come before. So like 0, 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, 34, 55, etc. And... These Fibonacci numbers appear really often in biology, like in branching in trees, the fruit sprouts of a pineapple, the flowering of an artichoke, and in this case, the ribs on a cacti. So basically, biology is really cool and the universe is mysterious. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, to elaborate on that, if you search up like the Fibonacci number in nature, you'll see a lot of images of like a spiral that that gets sort of. I don't know if this is the correct term exactly, but it gets sort of like exponentially bigger. Like it just gets, it, it starts really small and it sort of wings out really fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it almost so, looks like a
1: beautiful like shell or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a shell shape. That's And that's another example of where you see it, like a little snail shell. And so that's why when you talk about like fruit sprouts of a pineapple or flowering of an artichoke, that's sort of how that number relates to the shape. If you're just trying to come up with the picture in your mind.
1: Yeah, totally. It's, it's really cool and could probably be its own podcast, but I thought that that was, yeah, that was an interesting thing to talk about. I should also mention that there are some members of the cactus family that really don't look like conventional cacti, and there are three genera, the Lewenbergeria, the Pareschia, and Rotocactus that just look like tropical trees but they do all have aerials, so they are all cacti but that's yeah. so
0: wild i'm looking at a photo of it it really does look like a bush or something
1: yeah like you wouldn't think and then there's things like joshua trees which i had never seen before i went to joshua tree national park they i was like oh that's a cactus and my i was like no it's a tree like it it is a tree but it looks it looks so similar to a cactus like you can tell kind of like a convergent evolution thing of how these plants developed for the desert habitat but yeah there's some things that i'm like that's a cactus and it's not there's some things that i'm like that's definitely
0: not a cactus and it is so it's an interesting group yeah like the joshua trees just have super thick stems and branches like their branches don't branch off a lot like it it looks very like not like a tree where you get like hundreds of branches and then no. on the top it's like pom-poms of pond like palm fronds is what it looks like.
1: They're so cool. I'm obsessed with them. So to talk about another adaptation, we need to talk about something that I'm kind of dreading. (laughs) I sort of dreaded (laughs) doing the research for it because I just have such vivid memories of studying this in biology class in high school. I definitely remember being tested on like types of photosynthesis. So we are going to talk about CAM photosynthesis. And I saw the name and it was like war flashbacks, but Let's talk about it.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I'm seeing it too. I'm like,
1: oh, this thing. So crassulacean acid metabolism, also known as cam photosynthesis, is an adaptation that some plants have that help them survive in dry conditions. Cam photosynthesis allows a plant to photosynthesize during the day, but only exchange gases at night. In a plant using full cam, because there are different You can kind of like use partial cam or like selective cam or whatever. But in plants using full cam, the pores called stomata in the leaves remain shut during the day to reduce water loss through evaporation. But they open at night to collect carbon dioxide. The plant stores the carbon dioxide it takes in as malic acid, retaining it until the sun comes out and only then using it in photosynthesis. So cam is found in over 99% of the known species of cacti. And plants that use normal photosynthesis where they have their pores open during the day actually lose 97% of the water they take up through the roots to transpiration, apparently. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you can see why it's important for these cacti in arid conditions to use CAM photosynthesis. And I guess that wasn't that bad. I just am scared of biochemistry. And I just really didn't go into as much detail as they did in high
0: school. Yeah. <laughs> I mean like I don't I didn't remember any of that so yeah (laughs) that is all like I know the word no idea I knew it had something to do with arid plants but I could not remember what they're doing it doesn't help that I feel like especially in like first year second year biology in university it's like they just like pepper you with so many diagrams and like cells moving around and it just really complicates the whole thing I think they could have taught it better, but I could say that about a lot of things in university. <laughs> Moving yeah. on. Uh, yeah. Like, what other adaptations do cacti have to retain water?
1: Yeah. It's really amazing how much water a cactus can store. A fully grown saguaro cactus can apparently absorb as much as 200 gallons or 760 liters of water during a rainstorm. Wow! So that's pretty impressive in terms of adaptations. As you've probably noticed many cacti are either pretty round or at least quite cylindrical like tube shaped and these shapes are good because they can store the most amount of water possible while having the smallest surface area for evaporation like Olivia was saying you know that surface area to volume ratio is really important in cacti. And the outer layer of the stem usually has a tough cuticle reinforced with waxy layers, which reduce water loss. And I'm sure this is something you've noticed about cacti, like they have that that waxy cuticle feeling on their stems. And that's why many cacti have a grayish or bluish tinge, is because of, because of this cuticle.
0: Interesting.
1: And the roots of cacti are also adapted for maximizing water. You might think that they'd have deep roots that would penetrate down looking for water, but actually their roots spread out very widely but are pretty shallow, so they're ready to absorb a lot of water as soon as it rains. And these roots have a relatively high concentration of salt, so they are quick to absorb water. And they can also form new roots quickly when there's rainfall, and if there's a long period of drought, roots will dry up and break off to conserve water.
0: That's so cool. It sounds like they just change their bodies so much compared to other plants.
1: Yeah, like they really are at the whim of the rain for sure. Another important adaptation is that they usually have a periodic pattern of growth, productivity, and flowering. So during the brief rainy season when there's more moisture, that's when they're going to be putting out flowers and growing. But at drier times of the year, the cacti will usually remain dormant.
0: Yeah, that's like when I water my Christmas cactus, it'll like always flower because (laughs) I'll wait so long to water it. And (laughs) I think it's like every time I do, it's like, it's time. And then I get these pretty pink flowers. Yeah. Could you talk more about those flowers? Yeah. So all cacti
1: do actually flower, apparently, which I did not realize. And it makes me kind of sad. I'm like, hmm, is my cactus unhappy? Because I've never seen it flower So (laughs) (laughs) It probably is unhappy. I'm a really bad plant mom. I'm trying to be
0: better. (laughs) It's okay. But yeah,
1: often cacti have large showy flowers that can be white, red, pink, orange, yellow. Um, I read that they can't be blue, which is interesting. Um, I guess a lot of flowers can't be blue, I guess. I I don't know. It is pretty rare. Yeah. But they often smell really nice and they're designed to lure pollinators like bees, bats, and hummingbirds.
0: I was just thinking, even if your cacti aren't flowering, like, if they were flowering, it would be kind of a waste for them because they're not really reproducing in your house. So That's true, yeah. You know, maybe they're just really smart cacti. (laughs) They know I don't have any bees in here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you were talking earlier about cacti getting all the way up into Canada. Like, what are they?
1: Yeah, I know. I found this so interesting. So there are four species of cacti which are native to Canada. There's Escobaria vivipera, Opuntia fragilis, and then a couple other species of Opuntia. So Opuntia polyacantha and Opuntia humifusa. So I'm going to talk a bit about each of these and where they're found. Sorry if you're not Canadian and not interested in this, but I think a lot of our listeners (laughs) are Canadian. And I think it's exciting to know that you can find cacti here. So Escobaria vivipera, or the pincushion cactus, is a small cactus that's usually circular or a bit cylindrical. And they're covered with dense clusters of spines. They flower in June, and their flowers are dark purplish pink, which is, sounds very pretty. And you can find them throughout the southern prairies in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and the southwest corner of Manitoba. Opuntia fragilis, or the little prickly pear, such a cute name, is the most northerly cactus species, reaching approximately 56 degrees north near Fort St. John here in BC.
0: Oh yeah, that's far north.
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's apparently widespread in Canada, ranging from BC to Manitoba and even to eastern Ontario. And it also occurs on several islands here in the Georgia Strait and in a few localities on southern Vancouver Island, which really makes me want to look for
0: these. Yeah, maybe go look for some, like, sandy south-facing slopes. I feel like that's maybe where you'd find them.
1: Yeah, I I should look more into, like, where exactly they can be found or what, what kind of habitat they like but actually you know, I mean so- southern
0: Vancouver Island is pretty arid
1: it like- is yeah like my dad lives on this in the southernmost Gulf Island which is even south of Vancouver Island and they get a lot less rain than we do here in Vancouver <laughs> another species Opuntia polyacantha or the common plains prickly pear is common in southern Alberta and Saskatchewan And it's pretty cool. These cacti can survive temperatures 40 degrees below freezing. I guess this would be true probably for most of those, like, Saskatchewan (laughs) ones or, like, the one near Fort St. John. Like, but honestly, it gets cold in the desert, even in California. Not 40 degrees below freezing, but, like, at night it gets cold.
0: Yeah. And, like, Fort St. John, I'm reminding myself, I definitely went there when I was going up to the Yukon. And it's on the Alaska Highway. I guess... Yeah, that area is pretty arid too. Like mm-hmm. there's definitely some like drier sections of it. It's such a like weird flat town that's also like kind of in the mountains. <laughs> I guess it's not really mountains. It's in the the Peace River area. So you find lots of dinosaurs along the Peace River up there.
1: Yeah. And when we were around Drumheller and everything, like in the Badlands in Alberta, I mean that looks very similar to a lot of the landscapes that I saw
0: in California, and I'm sure that you could find cacti there. Oh, yeah. I've for sure seen them in, like, Dinosaur Provincial Park and, like, yeah, a lot in the Badlands. <laughs> They're really yeah. common.
1: And there's also Opuntia humafusa, or the eastern prickly pear, which is found in four confirmed locations in oh, southern Ontario. <laughs> so... So it seems like these there's only these four species, and it seems that they are some of them are a lot more common, and others are more rare. But yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed learning about these Canadian cacti. We definitely don't have the same diversity of cacti as they do in Mexico and the southwestern United States, but we do have a few, and I wanted to shout them out.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it looks like the eastern prickly pear cactus, the one with four locations in Ontario, is identified as endangered in Canada, which makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) it's only from four locations.
1: Yeah, I can see that for sure. Well, yeah, that's cacti. They're amazingly diverse, exceptionally adapted for arid conditions, and more prevalent here in the north than you
0: might think. That was so fun. I really enjoyed that. I wish I had known this information back when I worked at the, like, Matart Conservatory, which is, like, Edmonton's plant conservatory like it's a like a big greenhouse attraction and I was probably <laughs> a very bad tour guide there <laughs> I do apologize to anyone who took a tour with me when I was there in my defense I was working there and like my position was also at a nature center which was a bit more up my alley yeah a little bit more wildlife but you're a you're an this animal been person, nice to know that's okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, thanks so much, Sophia, and thanks everyone for listening. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Beyond Blathers, and check out our TikTok at Beyond Underscore Blathers.
1: And if you want to support the show, take a look at our
0: shop at etsycom shop blathers. Tune in next week to learn more about the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing: New Horizons. Bye. Bye.